Are you ready for an open discussion with the best of the best and the best of what's next? Welcome to the Tony D'Urso Show with Tony D'Urso. Tony will have a conversation today with one of the world's great influencers as they showcase the newest, hottest, and best trends from all walks of life. Now, here's Tony D'Urso. Welcome, fellow entrepreneur, and thanks for joining in with us. I think if you're like me, that you want to get as much done as possible every day. In fact, you want your team members, your affiliates, your virtual assistants, and everyone that does work for you, you want them to get as much done as possible every day. Am I right so far on that? Of course, it's a no-brainer. We all want efficiency and more of it, and that's why we listen to this show every week, or at least I hope that's why you listen to this show, to hear from those who've made it to the top of their category And you know, guys, while I did my stint in corporate America for over three decades, when I became an entrepreneur, once again, it became more important than ever to be efficient. And the same for everyone on my team, even if they were remote. Do you find yourself wasting time on things? Are you organized with your emails? Do you keep going over the same work over and over and over? Do you spend a lot of time with teammates talking about work? Do you spend time looking for things? Well, I have something just for you. We're going to discuss Stop Drowning and Work with Nick Sonnenberg. And later in this episode, we have an insider's brief about what do you do when life throws a curve at you, forcing you to abandon a direct path? We're going to tell you more about that later. And please listen for news from our sponsor, Articulate360. They're a well-known software company that specializes in e-learning tools. This is what you need to create online courses and cater to your community. I'm quite impressed by it, and they have a really cool offer for you. So please listen up for more information from Articulate360. And lastly, I'm going to give you a brief chat on mastering LinkedIn to grow your prospects and increase your sales. Stay tuned for that at second break. And while we're at it, this is all about helping you and your friends turn your vision into reality. We want to help you get very successful at growing your business to a high sustainable level. And we're going to help turn you into an elite entrepreneur. We'll meet Nick Sonnenberg. He's an Inc. columnist. He's a guest lecturer at Columbia University. And he's the author of Come Up for Air, How Teams Can Leverage Systems and Tools to Stop Drowning in Work. We're going to tell you all about that. He's a testament to his own success as he used this information to pull his company out from the brink of failure. Does that have your attention? Let's get into it. Hi, Nick. Welcome to the Tony D'Erso Show. Thanks for having me, Tony. Nick, we're all looking forward to learning about tools that can help us stop drowning in work. I mentioned a few. I've been in corporate America for a long, too long. Not Mm -hmm. anymore, though. And I just remember so many systems that just wasted time. But before we get into that a little bit, let's kind of start with your backstory and tell us, how did it all start for you? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. I actually started off also working for a large company. I, w- I worked for an investment bank and I was a high frequency trader on Wall Street for eight years. So what that means is I was developing algorithms and coding computers to trade stocks at super high frequency uh, speeds. So trying to capture fractions of a penny at microsecond speeds and we would trade billions and billions of dollars a day. And it was in that space, I really appreciated the value of time and how literally a microsecond could mean the difference of millions. And I, so I started really understanding, you know, thinking about breaking down a process into micro steps and even just celebrating a small win, even if it were just a microsecond. 
And I did quite well um, at a young age doing that. And by 30, I had some money in the bank. I didn't have a family or kids and I had an idea for a startup. So I took the, I took the leap and I figured if I don't do it now, I'm, n- I'm never going to do this. So I became an entrepreneur. And my first venture was building an app called Calvin, which was a scheduling tool. So I was always interested in time and pr- the productivity space. And we were getting some traction. And, and uh, within the first year, though, one day I was having dinner with now my ex-business partner, but my, uh, my friend at the time. And we had this idea for a freelancer marketplace, marketplace that was very innovative. And I said to him by the end of the dinner, I was like, look, why don't you get five clients and I'll build the back end. And, and t- you know, this was a Sunday. On Tuesday, we'll launch this thing. And we did it. And very quickly, it started to scale. Within a, uh, the first year, we got to seven figures of revenue and 150 team members. And, you know, you being an entrepreneur yourself, you know that that's not an easy thing to do. Now, that all sounds impressive, but there was a lot of problems under the hood. And, you know, premature scaling can can really be a problem. And that's what happened to us. So one problem was out of 150 people, the org chart was just the two of us. He was people facing. I was non-people facing. Like literally maybe five team members and five clients knew who I was out of 150 team members and like 500 clients. So people didn't know who I was. We were quite inefficient. We were doing some things really clever. But because we were just growing so fast, we didn't ever take the time to really build the foundation we needed to support that growth. And we were losing a ton of money. We were losing like half a million dollars a year and had like three quarters of a million in debt. So one day we're sitting at a coffee shop working and he taps me on the shoulder and he tells me he's leaving. Not in two weeks, not in two days. He's leaving in literally two minutes. And I go white and I'm thinking to myself, like, holy crap, we're going to go bankrupt here. Like, cause, because of all these under the hood problems we had. And, you know, within three months, it, this is it's the typical kind of uh, typical story that you hear sometimes. You know, we lose 40% of revenue in three months. And before I know it, I'm cashing out my 401k. My dad's taking a second mortgage on, on his house to help make payroll. You know, you think it's bad sleeping in your parents' basement, you know, try driving them to the bank to sign, a, sign mortgage documents. So yeah, it wasn't easy to say the least. And I had to make a decision. Do I bankrupt the company or do I stick it out? And there was two reasons why I stuck it out. One, I didn't think it was ethical to just walk away and leave people that we owed services to um, kind of screwed. And, and two, I had a game plan for how to clean things up. I could see where we were tripping up and how to be more efficient. And so I, I decided to stick it out. And I started really focusing on how are we communicating as a team? Because there was just so much waste and so much noise in email and in Slack. It's like, okay, this is like really slowing us down. Um, I then started also trying to clean up like how we manage tasks and projects. I couldn't just click a button and know who's working on what or what the status of a project was. And then lastly, um, our standard operating procedures, our processes, those were actually um, not so bad. If we, I, I had already kind of uh, invested time and energy decently on that space. Had I not, we probably wouldn't be here today talking. So anyway, I decided to stick it out and very quickly things started turning around. And simultaneously, people started reaching out asking me to consult them on their business. So mind you, this was a freelancer marketplace at the time, but 
people like Tony Robbins or Poopery or you know cryptocurrency started reaching out asking me to consult them on their internal efficiencies and the same stuff that was helping us kind of recover and turn around quite quickly was just as helpful for you know a, a famous coach to a poop spray to a cryptocurrency everyone benefited everyone needed to communicate with people everyone had tasks and projects everyone had intellectual property so i started seeing the writing on the wall quickly that there's this massive opportunity to actually help teams and companies be more efficient and teach them best practices that I had defined with using all these new modern day collaboration tools. You know, it's only in the last 10 years, you've got tools like Slack and Asana and Notion, all these tools. And what I realized was no one's ever been taught how to think about these tools, when to use them, how to use them. And yet there's such a big part of the day-to-day of most companies now. And so we decided to pivot the company altogether from a freelancer marketplace to what we are today, which is a freelancer, which is away from being a freelancer marketplace. And now it's a operational efficiency training and consulting company. And we've done this now with thousands of teams and it works with a seven-figure financial services company. And now we've worked with Fortune 10 tech companies and we found everyone needs to communicate with people. Everyone's got a plan that they need to manage tasks and projects. Everyone's got their resources, their SOPs and their processes. So my framework is CPR and that's what we help businesses with. And I decided to write a book um, about that framework just to be able to get more reach and help more teams and entrepreneurs to stop drowning in work, which is frankly the number one thing that I hear people say is, you know, when you ask someone, how are they doing? Everyone's saying that they're drowning in work. And that's why um, we titled the book, Come Up for Air, subtitle, How Your Team Can Leverage Systems and Tools to Stop Drowning in Work. We're going to go into that in quite a bit. And it's and I have a lot of questions about the book and the methodology and so forth. What I just want to make sure I, I understand is like you went from just about going bust to solving things at the company and turning it around. How did others find out that, hey, you've got something going. Were you getting write-ups in the press? Were you? How did that buzz come out? A referral. Um, you know, I am I am grateful and 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 uh, thankful for having a, a a really really great network. I would say, and people in my network that could see what I was doing and knew what I was doing. Plus, I give talks and I'm on podcasts and other things. So, I don't know. Word of, through word of mouth, um, people started reaching out, um, asking for help. Absolutely phenomenal. We're talking about Stop Drowning and Work with Nick Sonnenberg. And you can find him at nicksonnenberg.com. That's N-I-C-K-S-O-N-N-E-N-B-E-R-G.com. This is the Tony D'Urso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you on your journey to success. Just ahead, the chat continues. Stop Drowning in Work with Nick Sonnenberg. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. Hey, I know you want to hit your revenue target or get that launch done or get your book out and so forth. Well, making sure your team knows what to do and how to do it, it's a huge part of that. So I'm sure you do all different types of training, and I'm willing to bet you probably use PowerPoint, Zoom, or another platform. And I also bet 
that when you get someone droning on about a topic using those tools, you probably zone out and your team does too. Now, I've worked with teams for a very long time, so I get it. That's why I really love this tool called Articulate 360, Articulate 360. It makes it so easy to whip together something interactive, some spot-on e-learning that really engages people and gets the information across. With this, you can create short-form micro-learning, super interactive courses, and really whatever you need. Then with a couple of clicks, you can send it out and check in on the progress. Your team can also check back in on the training anytime they want in a super simple portal. Literally everyone uses Articulate. Over 120,000 companies and all 100 of the Fortune 100. And that's awesome. Check it out today at Articulate.com slash 360 to start a free trial. That's A-R-T-I-C-U-L-A-T-E dot com slash 360. Check it out and start your free trial today. You're listening to The Tony D'Erso Show with special VIP guests. Now, back to Tony and his guest. All right, you're back on The Tony D'Erso Show where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your journey to success. Today's show is Stop Drowning in Work with Nick Sonnenberg, And again, just a quick thank you that I sincerely appreciate you listening to my weekly shows with today's Elite Entrepreneurs. And if you like this show, would you please go to Apple Podcasts and give a cool review, look up the Tony D'Urso Show, and drop a kind one. I thank you so much for listening. And now, back to the chat with Nick. Nick, let's get into your vision path and kind of dive more into this. We're all entrepreneurs. We're business owners. Let's start with... How about everyone on the team gaining time in their productivity? Yeah, as you were saying earlier, it's one thing if you can save five hours a week, 10 hours a week. But if you have a team of 20 or 100, you know, it's way more valuable to you if everyone on your team can save that time. You know, think about the average hourly rate of all those people, you know, times five hours you know, it adds up to millions and millions of dollars for most companies. So I'm passionate, not just about individual productivity, but how can a team or an organization uh, be more productive? And, you know, it makes such, it's not just about saving time that you can then go and reinvest, you know, into the next project or the next, next thing you need to do, but it also makes work easier, less stressful. It allows you you know, your team members to go on a vacation and not have to be kind of tied to their computer the whole time. It increases culture. You know, culture starts to break down when people are burnt out. And also culture breaks down when trust breaks down and trust can come in multiple dimensions. One might be that you, you know, don't trust someone ethically, which typically isn't the case. A lot of trust breaks down because they don't trust that you're going to actually perform or deliver what's expected. And usually it's not because you don't want to, it's just because you have a bad system and things slip through the cracks. And, but at the end of the day, it just doesn't get done. So I might not trust, you know, that Andrew is going to do this thing by Friday, not because he's an untrustworthy person, but I just know that, you know, he's got a lot on his plate and he doesn't have a good system to organize. So that's going to cause me stress. And now I'm going to go and chase Andrew via text, via email, via Slack, so I'm going to ping them three times, four times, and it's causing me anxiety doing it in the process. And all of that 
you know, if that happens once, it's not a big deal. But in most companies, when you don't have operational efficiency and you don't have this framework, it's constant that you're having to chase people. And that does bleed not just into productivity and, you know, kind of bottom line efficiency, but it bleeds into culture. And on average, we've seen about a full business day a week back per employee when you align them on best practices of not just how to use these tools, but when to use the tools and when not to use the tools. So, you know, if you can give everyone 20 to 40% productivity gain, what does that do? Well, on a cost basis, you know, what's your payroll times it by 20%, 30%, 40%, you know, and that's kind of some bottom line savings. But aside from that, it also allows you to get more out of your current staff. You know, there's three ways to increase capacity. You can hire more people. Usually that's the most expensive way. You've got to pay for recruiting, onboarding, training. You've got to pay a salary. And every person you add to your team adds exponential complexity. Oftentimes, we've all been there where you think, oh, I just need to hire another person and all my problems are going to go away yet to find actually now this person's reporting to you and you've got to train them and now information's easier to get lost and it's actually not giving you all the benefits you were dreaming of. So usually hiring people is a really expensive way to increase capacity. A second way is you just tell people to work 100 hours a week. Turns out people tend to not like that. And then the third way is how can we get more out of what we already have? And that's what I'm passionate about and by focusing on operational efficiency, it's going to really put downward pressure on your need to hire people. And that's going to not just save you payroll and the recruiting costs, it's also going to allow you to keep a smaller team, which is much, much easier to operate and manage. Um, you know, change is so much easier when you're smaller when, than when you're bigger. And it's, and it's an exponential phenomenon. It, it follows a, a law called Metcalf's Law, which is a networking effect law. Every node that you add to a network adds exponential more ways that information can get lost, transferred. Um, and so, yeah, it, I'm really, really, really passionate about how can you get the most out of what you have without needing to add the extra costs and complexity. Totally with you on that. And as you were going into this, not that you meant to, it just took me right back in corporate in corporate world here. And I started thinking as well of trust was the biggest, toughest thing. I, back in the day, I'm doing close to a million dollars a year in sales. And believe it or not, the biggest, toughest problem was trust. I could sell it, but then I knew that it would get butchered. It would get messed up. It would have to be fixed. It would, it would have these issues, which in a way made me want to sell less, even though it was my job to sell more. It was very weird. And it was all because of trust, because I could not trust that the operations team would take this sale, this beautiful relationships I set up, this beautiful sale, and actually do something proper with it that they're supposed to do that they can. And it was just one after the other would get messed up. And it, it was just trust is so big. And I'm and this is all going through my mind while you're talking about it. And I'm thinking, how did you I'd like to learn a little bit more of how you solve that trust factor. I don't know that it's the, the thing today, but for me, it was like, it was the thing on how to solve. Well, I, I do think that this, this framework that I describe in the book and what we do at Leverage 
is the solution to it because what it does is it gives you a framework. Think of it like drawers. You've got communication drawers and then there's sub drawers. You've got personal communication, external communication, um, internal communication. So, but you've got like kind of three major drawers. You got communication drawers, planning drawers, you got your resources, and then there's sub drawers within those. And within each of these drawers is information. And the name of the game is to know exactly what, what drawer to open to find what you're looking for, to find the information. And oftentimes what happens is when you're busy and you're overwhelmed, you start playing this game of hot potato where it's just like, take it. And you just start optimizing to just play op- hot potato and transfer stuff to people, which means, you know, sometimes I might text you, Tony. Sometimes it could be a Slack message. Sometime if I'm in email, I'll email you. Right. Without any rhyme or reason, except what I'm doing is I'm just doing whatever's easiest for me as an individual in the moment. But there's no strategy in terms of what drawer you should go and look at to find what you're looking for, because people just randomly arbitrarily did it, whatever their personal preference was in the moment. Right. And to get the exponential gains, to get that trust and to have a high performing team, you need to have a strategy and align your team on what drawers what information should go into, right? And each tool is like a drawer. And you need to align your team. We use this tool for this purpose. So anytime this happens, you should go and use that drawer. And you get everyone aligned around that. Even if it takes people an extra five or 10 seconds in the moment, people need to adopt this behavior and have this mutual agreement and accept, look, we as a team are willing to spend an extra 10 seconds or whatever it takes to put it where it belongs. Because we know that if everyone's doing it, it's what goes around comes around. It's going to be much easier for me next week or next month when I'm looking for something. Now I don't have to go on a scavenger hunt because Matt spent the time to put it in a nice place. That's easy for me to find. And I did the same for Matt. I put something that in, in the place that's easy for Matt to find. And we already do this in our personal lives. If you think about doing your laundry, the fastest way to be done with laundry, if you really want to be fast, you take it out of the dryer and you throw it in one drawer. And then you're done. You just transfer it. But for the most part, what, pe- what people do is you take it out of, the, out of the dryer and you separate. You put your socks in a drawer. You put your underwear in another drawer. And you do that not because it's the fastest way to be done with laundry. You invest that time because tomorrow, you know it's going to be much faster to put when you need to go and retrieve what you're looking for and put an outfit together. And it's the same thing. Instead of clothing, we're talking about information, but information has its own drawers. And if you align your team on what drawers, what goes in what drawers, you will very quickly find an extra business day a week that's just hidden in your, in your company. And with that extra business day, you're going to be able to get more output. You're going to have, be able to get a better culture and you're not going to have to hire as many people to hit your future vision and your goals. So it really is kind of this, uh, it's this, this part of business that up until now has really been underappreciated or underthought about. But I, I am seeing now with the back end of a pandemic and what's going on in the economy and there's hiring freezes and budget cuts, people are now starting to kind of wake up and realize like, hey, we need to figure out a way to just get more out of our people because like we can't hire more. So what do we do? And so, you know, this is, this is a, a really powerful tool that you could have in your tool belt. I like that. It's all about 
smart organizing. And let's go pick up another um, topic here. What, you know, I mentioned this in the intro. I remember this back in the day. A lot of people in meetings, spending time talking about work and doing work and this and just wasting time. So back then, I don't, I don't know what the playing field is anymore like today. So perhaps you could help, uh, help clear that up for me as well. Uh, how to make meetings more efficient? Is that your question? Well, meetings and people just talking about work and f- back then in the day, they would it'd be hours talking about working and how to do work and about work, but not really doing work, just talking about it. It was like, it would drive me nuts. Yeah. Well, Asana Work Management Tool puts out a report every year called The Anatomy of Work. And they found that, I think this was last year, 58% of time spent across employees, and they surveyed 10,000 employees, 58% of their time was spent on work about work. And their definition of that is what you're describing, talking about work. It's you know managing your email. It's trying to schedule something. Um, it's going on a scavenger hunt, looking for a document that's disorganized, right? So around only 40% of people's time is actually spent on meaningful meaningful work. It's, it's quite staggering, the problem that you're describing. And the reason for it is what, you know, multiple part. One, this scavenger hunt and misalignment of you know, your team just not knowing how to collaborate together um, as a high-performing team and, and you know, uh, aligning on a framework and understanding you know, when and how to best use collaboration tools. This is the Tony D'Urso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you on your journey to success. Just ahead, the chat continues. Stop drowning in work with Nick Sonnenberg. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. And here's some quick info on mastering LinkedIn to grow your prospects and increase your sales. Now, I have a series of videos on LinkedIn for you that teach you to fill in any holes on how to effectively use that platform for your business. While I'm doing a few talks on LinkedIn now, on future episodes, I'm going to be going over how to grow your social media, how to podcast, how to monetize your podcast, and other cool topics. In fact, I'm going to teach you everything I know. With over 43 million downloads at this moment for the Tony D'Urso Show, I know a few things, I guess. So let's jump in and teach you something cool about LinkedIn. Now, in the last episode, I talked about the LinkedIn header and how to sign up for LinkedIn if you're not already on there. And while sources differ, it seems they're gaining on approaching 1 billion users on their platform. Not only is that a lot of people, these are business owners that you want to connect with to help them with your products or services or simply network and get referrals and all sorts of cool things. The earlier episode about the LinkedIn header is the one with Michelle Curran. So find that to get up to date. All right, now let's talk about LinkedIn headline titles. By the way, I have a video on this. If you want to head on over to patreon.com slash Tony D-U-R-S-O, that would be best and you can join for free. And what I did on this video is I looked at four of the top people in my category, top people in podcasting or influence, and I studied their headline titles. What I found was three of them had two lines of texts of keywords on their LinkedIn title headline of what they were all about. And one of them had four lines of text. I didn't realize that more could be added, or maybe I had enough keywords at the time when I first entered them 
and didn't realize that I had room for more. That was my aha moment as I realized I was wasting valuable real estate space by not filling up that available space with all the possible keywords of what I do. I know it sounds simple, but I hadn't noticed it for years and then aha, there it was. If you watch my video, you'll get it right away. I'm saying that if you're allowed more space to write out the keywords of your business, then you should utilize that. These are keywords that people will search to find a business like yours, so you should make the most of it, and I clearly wasn't. My secret mentor has a brilliant marketing team and utilizes all available space in writing out their keywords. I hope that comes across. I show you my secret mentor and give big kudos on that. On my next episode, I'm going to tell you how I found another section of the five most critical keywords you can use on LinkedIn and I'll show you where they are on the video and how to change them. Again, after using LinkedIn for years, I didn't know about it. It's eye-opening, and I'll try to explain that on my next episode. But if you want to see the video, it's there now. Hop on over to patreon.com slash Tony, D-U-R-S-O. It's free to join, and go to the LinkedIn section. Okay, jump in and work on this now, and I'll see you on Patreon. You're listening to The Tony D'Erso Show with special VIP guests. Now, back to Tony and his guest. All right, you're back on The Tony D'Erso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your journey to success. Today's show is Stop Drowning in Work with Nick Sonnenberg. And say, would you check out my lead entrepreneur interviews on Apple Podcasts? There's a lot of great insights about anything you can think of to help grow your business and learn from the success of others who've been through their hard knocks and they came out as champions. Go to Apple Podcasts and type in Tony, D-U-R-S-O, and play what appeals to you. And I have an important insider's brief for you, so let's go to that next, and then I'll circle back to Nick. Now, what do you do when life throws a curve at you that forces you to abandon a direct path? Well, if you're like Link Forrester, you'll navigate through the twists and turns and finding joy and purpose along the way. He graduated from Auburn University and began his career in sales at IBM. Five years later, he took a leap of faith into the financial services industry, where he continues to lead a, lead a thriving financial planning and wealth management business. Let's find out more. Hi, Link. Welcome to the show. Hey, Tony. Great to be here. Pleasure is mine. You know, as a fellow author, I love the title of your new book and what it's all about, The Side Road. And I'm really curious... It's such a unique name. How did you come up with that idea for your book? Well, the name sort of the title came as I was writing the book. Um, my son is the one that really wanted me to write a book. And uh, he went so far as to line up meetings with me for with ghostwriters and writing coaches and company like script. And finally, I said, Cole, maybe I should just see if I can write. So I started writing stories and Decided to do some chapter titles and added a story to a chapter title. And before I knew it, I had a book. And the name The Side Road sort of came as the book was uh, all coming together. I see. Now, as mentioned in the intro, us entrepreneurs, well, we know what's, what it's like when we hit a dead stop. And it sounds like you made it a challenging game to navigate through the twists and turns. Yeah, the book sort of centers around three main life challenges. Uh, my wife and I, we got, uh, we were married young and pregnant and that's, uh, always a tough start. And, uh, 
Um, it talks about leaving a normal uh, corporate job and starting their own business in an industry where most people fail. And then it talks about uh, the fact that we lost a child. And, uh, you know, most marriages don't make it. Uh, most people lose some purpose and joy in their lives when things like that happen. And uh, so the book's just about things that we've either done or things we believe in that help us cope and live and live with purpose and joy, even in light of life struggles. I understand you hear you on that. One thing is for sure, life here on earth, it's not perfect. There, it's, it's challenging. There's always something going on. I've interviewed so many people. There's not one person that has had a perfect life. Everyone has had issues. And those that persevere, those that focus on their goal, their purpose, what they need to accomplish, they succeed. And I was noticing in your book here that you talk about getting that focus really on point. And as you just talked about here with, you know, your life, and you've got to trust this inner compass that you talk about. And I want to say right away, from experience, it's easier said than done. How do you do it? How do you find that that inner compass that that directs you through through these twists and turns, through these dead stops that we run into? Well, one thing I do, Tony, is when I wake up in the morning, I try to tell myself four things. I try to tell myself that I'm loved, that I'm free, that I am secure, and that I'm happy. And uh, two of those things can never change. I'm, I'm always going to be loved. Uh, my wife still loves me, which is good. And I'm loved by God, and uh, I can't lose that. And I, and I have security in my faith and my relationship with Him. You know, happiness is, uh, you're not always happy. The happiness factor, factor can go down sometimes. Uh, and you're not always free to do the things you want to do, either health or money, whatever it may be. Today, we are pretty free. Uh, we have uh, our health is pretty good and our financial situation is good, but things can always change. You never know. You know, as you said that, I was thinking, as I just mentioned, of all the people I've interviewed, rare, very rare does anyone uh, talk about their faith in God and that that has helped them find happiness. And while this is not a show about religion, I'm, it's really piqued my interest that you would bring that up, that that has helped you. Get on focus, and I think that that's absolutely amazing. Um, it, it sounds so simple, and perhaps, um, but it, but it kind of really is. I've I've learned that um, when you focus on that, when you focus that way, it really helps open things up. And I don't know if that's particularly the 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 point you want everyone to focus on when reading your book, but I but I did want to point that out regardless that I think that's an amazing point right there. But for, for anyone reading the book, what, what would they look at? What, what do they hope to, to get? What should they look for in your book to, to help them on their life's journeys? Well, the book is, it's a short book. Let me say that first of all. So uh, the investment of time will not be uh, too, too long. The publisher has on the back of the book, that's an 82 minute read. So um, it's sort of like a long-term paper, but uh, the book's got a lot of humor in it. It talks about our family. Our family's unique. Uh, all my children live near me. All five of my grandchildren now live within one mile of me. Uh, I mean, my family has separation issues. And uh, it's just, uh, uh, so it's a funny story. It's a funny book. A lot of good golf stories. A lot of fun 
just travel stories, college football stuff. Uh, but it does, it, you know, it sort of centers around faith and family and fitness and finances and uh, all sort of the food groups there. That's cool. And I'm a fellow traveler. I've traveled the world. I've gone everywhere that I've wanted to go before the the madness of the past couple of years hit. And I love traveling the country and just seeing everything that God has created and that's there. And what caught my attention in going through your book is that you comment on your love for travel has helped you find your purpose, has helped you Put get that perspective in your life, and I thought that was really interesting. How did that? Ha- how does how does that happen? How do we? What's the word here? How do we grow that kind of perspective by traveling? Well, travel. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm usually doing it with my wife, and we have a great relationship. And I think the secret of life is relationships. And if that can be in places that are pretty neat, whether it's in Cabo or Italy or wherever it may be, um, it's fun to be in cool places with people that you love and gives you, gives you, uh, reasons to be thankful, reasons to have purpose, reasons to just be happy. Molto bene. <laughs> That's great that you like Italy. It's a good place. Can you, can you share anything with us? Any particular story that comes to mind? Um, where this kind of gets all put together? Oh, there's tons of uh, life stories uh, in the book. Um, a lot of funny stories that I think everybody will kind of enjoy. Um, the first, I'll, I'll just say the first story in the book is uh, we had an aging black lab and I came home from uh, work and, you know, she was unable to move her back legs and my wife came out already crying and said, look, I've talked to the vet. She can't do anything. And so we took her to the university of Georgia veterinary hospital and I had all the kids with me. I figured this could be, you know, a a tough visit. And uh, we got her there and they said, after about, you know, 15, 20 minutes of checking her out, they came out and said, you know, we're pretty sure she has cancer. Uh, but for $5,000, we'll, um, you know, open her up and, uh, you know, we give her about a 50% chance of making it off the operating table. And then, uh, then she said, or we can put her down for you. And so we gathered, gathered all the kids together and we, we sent Jordan, our dog off to dog heaven. And so my wife and I were driving home from Athens, from Athens with a family. And we get about halfway home and my wife looks at me and she says, honey, when we get home, I want you off my medical power of attorney. She said, my mom will spend $5,000 to see if I'm okay. So uh, that's a true story without any uh, uh, link exaggerations. But my wife will tell you this book is kind of full of some link truths, but that is an absolute truth. What I just told you, that needed no exaggeration. Oh, I, I have a, a personal uh, connection with that. I've been with my wife 30 years now, and in that, we've had two dogs. The first one we've had to put down. Uh, he was 17. And the second one left, what's the, what's the word they, people use naturally? And uh, they're, they're, they're tough experiences. So I, I, I get it on, on um, 
but you know the decision you made i'm sure is was a good decision just um i i, I find a little humor in it but i also have this emotional connection with animals and what goes on with them so i really appreciate you sharing and there's a lot of um topics in your book there's things that you want people to focus on or that they should focus on i know you talk about gratitude resilience mindfulness and before we get uh, and i want to just make sure before um before i forget not that i usually forget anything where should we go for more information where where can we find your book well, you can buy the book anywhere books are sold. Uh, so you can just uh, look for The Side Road by Link Forrester. Um, you, you can always go to my website, linkforresterauthor.com, and you can learn about the book there and about us there. Um, and we're in, on most social media platforms. All right. I'll put that in the show notes, linkforresterauthor.com, so that people can read a, a little bit more about you and and get the book from wherever they like to get their books from. Link's very, very interesting. I know we just spent a couple minutes, just kind of touched it. Um, it's a fast read, as you say, and very interesting on the stories. I just want to thank you so much for coming on and telling us about it, and, and I hope you do very well with it. Thank you, Tony. Great to be with you. This is the Tony D'Urso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you on your journey to success. Just ahead, the chat continues. Stop drowning in work with Nick Sonnenberg. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. You're listening to the Tony D'Erso Show with special VIP guests. Now, back to Tony and his guest. All right, you're back on the Tony D'Erso Show where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your journey to success. Today's show is Stop Drowning in Work with Nick Sonnenberg. And if you like this show so far, please remember our sponsor who made it possible, Articulate 360. They specialize in e-learning tools, and they can seriously make it easy for you to create online courses and cater to your community. And they have a really cool offer for you. Would you make a note to do that right after listening to this interview? I thank you so much. And now, back to the chat with Nick. And meetings also plays a huge role in this. Meetings are a big source of inefficiency in corporate America right now. There's billions and billions of dollars wasted every year in unproductive meetings. I think the number was like $38 billion last year, if I recall correctly. And the, the irony is a lot of the meetings that people had were about how to be more productive. So meetings are a huge source of inefficiency, and you can clean that up quite quickly Without really even needing any any fancy technology, we recommend a, a tool called Fellow um, dot App, which is a agenda tool. But you don't even have to. You, you could also just apply some best practices and kind of work your way into that tool. 
we're really liking it because if you think about the number of meetings you have, you know, having like a really robust kind of one-stop shop for all the agendas of all your meetings is really, really valuable. But the, the thing that I'm seeing um, in companies is one, there's a lack of awareness of the cost of meetings. And so first step is really being aware meetings aren't free. You know, if you've got a, an hour long meeting with four people and the average hourly rate is $100 an hour, that's a $400 meeting. If you, cut it, if you can cut it to 45 minutes, you just saved $100. Now it's a $300 meeting. You know, that's not going to make or break your bank account one time. But when you think about all the meetings that happen each week, each month, each year, you know, all across the company, you're talking a lot of money. And so there's a few things that you should be thinking about. Every meeting, you should really be thinking, does this meeting need to have as many people as it currently has? The second is, does it need to be as long? Um, Oftentimes, you kind of just fill whatever time you're given. So an hour-long meeting, you most likely could probably still accomplish the same in 45 minutes, right? Um, If you put some constraint on it. I believe Um, that. Another thing, too, is a lot of things that are happening in meetings should not be live. They should be done asynchronously. Meetings, the purpose of a meeting should be to make a decision or brainstorm something. If your meeting is really someone just sitting there talking at you, sharing a screen of some report that they put together, that shouldn't be a live meeting. That should be recorded and sent to you asynchronously. And then on your own time, you can go and watch that during lower value time, right? So time isn't linear. 9 a.m. on a Monday is a far more valuable time slot than 7 p.m. on a Friday after you've had 100 Zoom calls and you're brain dead and you're in the back of an Uber and you don't have your laptop, right? So it's not just about saving time. It's about optimizing time. That time slot at 9 a.m. on a Monday might be worth $500 an hour to you. And 7 p.m. on a Friday might be worth $20 an hour to you. So even if you can shave off 15 minutes of a meeting at 9 a.m. on a Monday, you know that might be a $500 an hour uh, time slot. You might have just saved $125, you know, but with just that 15 minutes. And now you go and watch that video on that Friday night on the back of an Uber or whenever you want, but you do it during times like where you're not doing anything of significant importance. And so it's not just about saving time, it's optimizing time. And it's really analyzing what aspects of the meeting could be shifted to asynchronous and give people the flexibility to watch it on their own time. Um, and also, if it's asynchronous, you can rewatch it multiple times. You could watch it at 2x speed. Um, I'm watching a lot of the videos at 2x speed. You know, So someone had you know, 10 minutes live, it takes me five minutes to watch asynchronously. Um, Good points there. Very good points. Yeah. So, so uh, what else? Oh, and then lastly, you know, I would, I would think to yourself, do you even need the meeting at all? Oftentimes, a lot of things could just be solved with no meeting. Just uh, maybe an email or some documents circulating around that people could answer or and or comment on. And Nick, uh, we talked about this just a little bit. We we mentioned it, but I like to drill into it a little bit, and that is finding stuff. Where's this document? Where's this? Where's this? We used to spend too much time looking for things back in the day. How's it organized now? And how can we be more efficient in where information is stored? Well, 
my CPR framework really is kind of that guideline into where information should be stored. So you have communications that happen in, co- in companies. Um, so external communication should be an email. Internal communication should be in Slack or Microsoft Teams and save your text for personal. And these are guidelines. You know, if the, the building's burning down, you can text someone, like do what it takes. But I, I'm just trying to give some general guidelines. Then you've got a need for work management tools. That's where things like Asana fit in, right? And a lot of people don't understand what should go in a communications tool versus a work management tool. So an example I like to use is, you know, imagine that you were to take your team camping in the forest together. You would need walkie-talkies to communicate with each other, but you still need a map to navigate out of the forest. So email, Slack, text, those are walkie-talkies. That's her chit-chat, right? Hey, Tony, um, there's pizza in the, in the, co- in the water cooler, uh, by the water cooler. Or, hey, welcome Nick to the, you know, to the team, like announcements, right? There's nothing like you need to do by Friday, right? But if it's like, hey, Tony, could you edit this podcast episode by Friday? A lot of people make the mistake of putting that in a communications tool, whether it's email, Slack, or some combination of both, which is even worse, Right. That is something where I need to hold you accountable. I want to be able to click a button and know, you know, what did I ask Tony to do this week? Did it get done or not get done? And communication tools are not built to hold people accountable and to know what got done, what needs to get done, what's the status of something. Communication tools are built to communicate. So you need to first understand what should go into what type of tool. Um, and then you need to have, for your resources, you want to be documenting your digital knowledge, your 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 core values, uh, how you onboard a new team member, how you do payroll. This is all intellectual property that should just be two clicks away for anyone to find without having to bother you or their manager to go and ask questions that they could just self-serve, answer themselves. Good points. Good points there. And I will leave that. I will leave that. I'm not familiar with some of the software these days like Asana. And I'm not really good on Slack. I, I don't deal with that sort of stuff anymore. So I'm sure everyone else will understand it. And somewhere along the line, so will I. I'm just being sensitive. <laughs> well, Let's talk been- about optimizing and organizing our email. Like, you know, you, you talk, and, and that's why I bring this up because there's different ways and different places to communicate. And would, you, wouldn't email, you wouldn't email me that the pizza's by the water cooler. You wouldn't text me. I don't know how you would tell me in today's corporation. Is it Slack? I don't know. If we're on the same team, I would send you a message on Slack or Microsoft Teams because that's our internal communications tool. Um, And, you know, even if you're a small team of three or five people, there's still a huge benefit. uh, Even if you don't use these tools properly, just separating out, hey, internal communication, we use Slack or Teams, external, we use email it already makes it much easier to go and find, like if I'm on your team, Tony, and I'm looking for a conversation we had, even if I'm not using all the channels property, properly, all the third-party integrations and automation and all the advanced stuff, just knowing, hey, the most probable place I could go to find that conversation is Slack. That's already a huge win because at least you know which, which app to click to, to look into. Right now, people don't even know which one to click. So they're clicking into like three or five to go and find what they're looking for. So even just, even if you're not using these tools 100% properly, just knowing that you can go to one place 
and it's probably somewhere in that one place, you're already a huge step ahead of the curve. I like that. I'm not very familiar with Slack at all, but I understand that it's very, very well used. And I don't mean to be such a, a oh. newbie on it. Well, I'll explain it qu- uh, very quickly. It's a communications tool. And the key logical difference between email and Slack, email is ordered chronologically, right? The most recent things at the top. Slack and Teams has this concept of a channel, which means you can have topics of conversation and it's more organized by topic versus in time order. Everything else is still a communications tool. So you're going in there and you're chit-chatting and they've got some bells and whistles and emojis and other things that make it a bit more fun and cool. Um, but that's the, the key difference. I got it. And is that something that we, we would use as the company, however, whatever size we are? I'm just looking, the reason I ask is because I'm looking through some of your material. And one of the things that you talk about are tools that we can use to maximize our output. And I'm wondering, is that where Slack fits in or do you have some other tools for that? You know, for internal communication, Slack or Microsoft, if you're a Microsoft shop, you'll you'll probably want to use Outlook and Teams. And if you're using Gmail, most of the time people like to use Slack. Um, and that's usually kind of the, the, the communications combo that you'll get. What about, I'm just looking again here, you talk about some simple hacks that we can implement that would help us stop playing catch up before and after work. Maybe that goes back to Slack. <laughs> We're going to retitle <laughs> this all about Slack. No, I'm just being silly. Because you have so many topics in your book here. I'm just kind yeah. of going through like what, what uh, those hacks were. Let's try this proven techniques to help us stop losing time in meetings. We talked about that. We talked about the asynchronous blurbs or videos or whatever. I'm just kind of looking at anything else that we could talk about. We could talk about um, how to get to inbox zero and how people should think about email. Okay. Inbox zero, you're referring to having no emails at all in your inbox. Yeah. So, Inbox zero, it doesn't need, it's not that literal, right? Because actually I, I, would, I would argue that you're probably very inefficient if you have zero emails in your inbox because it probably indicates that you're too much in your email and every second that you get something, you're immediately dealing with it and it probably means that you never have time for any deep work or meaningful work. Like right now, as we're talking, I have 18 emails in my inbox. To me, that's inbox zero, like... I've got a grip on it. And when I say 18, that's both read and unread. A, a big misconception is people think that, they're, that they've got 18, but it's 18 unread. And then they've got 100,000 read and it's all in their inbox. Like you got, in that case, you have 100,000 emails in your inbox. I, I don't, it doesn't matter if it's read or unread. So um, for me, like, you know, less than 20, less than 30 indicates you've got, a, you've got control over it. You're not missing things. And maybe you just had a busy day of calls and, you know, in, in a day or two, you'll be able to get through kind of the, the backlog. And so I would still say, consider that to be inbox zero. Learning how to use email, if you take nothing else away from today's call, learning how to use email properly is probably the quickest way to save three to five hours a week. And it's probably one of the most strategic, best investments that you can make. Because it probably only takes three to five hours to train you on it and get you to zero. That's what we're seeing on average at, at, at my company leverage. It takes three to five hours of training, but then for the rest of your life, you're saving three to five hours. It's one of the best investments I think that someone could make for themselves. 
And another benefit is it doesn't require everyone on your team to be up and running or at the same speed. So with other collaboration tools, it's only valuable if others are also interacting with you and using it. If half your team likes to use Slack and the other half doesn't, you're only going to get a fraction of the value out of it. And you're still going to then have to like go and use other tools, which is annoying and it kind of defeats the whole purpose. With email, since it's a single user activity, if you use email properly, and even if the rest of your team doesn't, you still get the full benefit. And we talk about this in the book, but there's, there's a framework that we developed called RAD, Reply, Archive, and Defer. And those are the three things that you can do with every email that comes into your inbox. And some of the things... Some of the things that people are missing uh, with their email, they're not using snooze functionality, which is extremely useful. That's the D part of RAD for defer. So you should be using that if, you, if you're if you not. Which there's use, there's use cases, for instance, you don't want to deal with an email today, but Fridays are your days of admin. So let's clear it out today, but I want it to magically pop up on a Friday. Or in two months from now, I've got driving directions to a conference. I don't need that right now, but I need it the morning of the conference in two months. You know, click the snooze button, have it pop back in, you know, in two months from now, and it's exactly where you want it to be. Uh, People have too many folders. People aren't utilizing search. People aren't utilizing advanced settings. So it's the culmination of all these things. And when you do, when you, when you take kind of these like 10 steps uh, and 10 tips all together, you'll be shocked that you can get down from the 200,000 emails that you have in your inbox to 30 in just a matter of hours. And that frees up brain space. It, it de-stresses you. It helps you save time. And it also helps you miss opportunities. Every single time my team does this with, with clients, at some point in the process, they have to stop and say, oh my God, I can't believe two weeks ago I missed this email. This email was worth 10 grand, 50 grand, whatever it was. Let me just take five minutes, please, to, to, to respond to this because I can't believe I missed it. So it also helps to avoid missing important um, messages that you don't want to miss. Interesting. I, have a, I use a Mac system and I, I use the Mac mail and I, I have flags. So I get tons of emails asking for interviews on my show. I put a flag on it. I set it aside. It's like it's its, its own box. And, you know, every day I go through and I check, okay, who's going to, who's, who's going to move through the queue on getting interviewed or not. But aside from that, I just checked, I have six emails. I just kind of keep it. It's not like a whole lot going on here. So it's great. But then there's, but if I don't stay on it, it can, it can roll up to like within a week, a hundred. It just, it goes fast. You have sure. to, the, the thing I find on emails is you have to keep on it and set aside some time every day. Otherwise, it, it grows like a monster. For sure. For sure. One last question, Nick, I want to ask. Uh, we talked about when your business was about to go apart and it was like a big failure happening. And I'm wondering, what about challenges? What was the biggest challenge you've had in growing your business? Oh, I mean, there's so many challenges. With growing. I, you know, I came into business a little bit cocky, if I'm being honest. I thought high-frequency trading was probably like... If I could, if I could figure out high frequency trading, you know, and I have a master's in financial engineering from Berkeley, like I'll figure. There's so much that's difficult. Figuring out your marketing and how to attract clients, figuring out product market fit, figuring out, you know, uh, your pricing, motivating your team, and having a good culture. 
operating well and figuring out kind of the CPR, like none of it's easy. You know what it's like sometimes you don't know what's ahead the, uh, the next corner or the next curve. For, for sure. It's, but it's what an I venture, but what I do know is it's hard to be strategic and figure out long-term vision and work on high level strategic initiatives and get new clients and figure out your, it's hard to do all those things if you have no time. And that's why I've been so passionate about this operational efficiency stuff, because at the end of the day, the more space you have and the more time you have, the easier it is to solve all those other problems that I was just talking about. Once again, we spoke about Stop Drowning in Work with Nick Sonnenberg. You can find him at nicksonnenberg.com. Nick, some great points here. You kind of you, you pulled me back into the corporate world and then you kind of refreshed me on how people are doing it today. Amazing. I'm glad we have people like you to help us. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing with us today. Thanks for having me on the show, Tony. Hey, thanks for hanging out with me while I featured an elite entrepreneur who took his vision to reality. We spoke about stop drowning in work with Nick Sonnenberg. This really took me back into my corporate days as I've talked about. And I'm so impressed he was here on the brink on the verge of bankruptcy and he just took it and saved it and took it up with these important points that's how important and vital these points are and he just talked about some of them the rest are in his book which you should get we talked about things like everyone on the team gaining time and their productivity we talked about dealing with people who spend a lot of time on meetings that talk about the work but don't do the work uh, i've been through too many of those we talk about finding things where information is stored for the company. I've been there, done that, and trying to find where's what. So talked about organizing, it, a very smart organizing on that. We talked about how you can save a few hours a week just by optimizing your email. He brought up some great tools that we can use to maximize our work. And we talked about challenges in his business. Let me ask you this. What hit home with you? What resonated? Please let me know. And share this with a few friends to help them too. That's what friends are for. Let's use this and let's help you move on your journey to success. Thanks. And remember, just take action. Success awaits those who persevere and remain steadfast despite the odds. So good seeds. Do good deeds. And join me on the next episode of The Tony D'Urso Show. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of the Tony D'Urso Show with Tony D'Urso. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, go enjoy the weekend.